Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast uh, number 119. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've lost my voice before we even start today. That's not a good sign. But I'll depend on the folks around the table today to do most of the talking. We have our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. Hello. Our over-the-edge reporter, Zach Mascal. Hello, world. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. I'll do all the talking you need me to. <laughs> uh, that, I can know I can count on you to do that, Patrick. And we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to run through a lightning round, a viewer question. We've even got some rant and raves. But first, three of the cars that we've been testing lately. And let's start at the top with a car that really I think just about everybody has an impression on. It's the 2015 Porsche 911 Carrera 4 GTS. And Brian Robinson, oh. why don't you tell us the niche mm. that this car kind of fills? Well, it's just kind of a tweener between... Like uh, C4S and the rear drive GT3 cars and turbos, stuff like that. It's really, I mean, at the risk of throwing a wet blanket on the hype, it's really just an S with a few more features that you could already get optionally just now uh, standard with the GTS model. But having said that, did you like the car and do you think it's worthy of basically any special attention? Uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, it's a fantastic vehicle. Just about perfect uh, in every way. And it does have some more horsepower, too. So, um, it's like 30 more. Yeah. So I didn't mean to totally uh, put a harsh on it. But uh, center lock wheels, uh, like PASM, a lot of things you can get already optionally are just now kind right of combined into a GTS package. And yes. you could set the stage for this. You can get this package on both uh, the rear and all-wheel drive. And you can also get it on the Co- convertibles. convertibles well. Yep. So basically, like I said, kind of an upgraded S. Well, you know, I got to tell you, every time I get into a, a new uh, generation 911, I, I'm considerably wowed at how they've been able to hone this car that when we started this show was such a beast to drive into such a, an amazing piece of work that, yeah, if you're really stupid, it'll still bite you. You start but, looking them up on eBay, too, don't you? <sighs> What do you mean? Oh, yeah, I have. I have have to admit, as I've gotten towards the point where you sort of say, what car would you like to uh, own um, as you uh, sail off into the sunset? 911 was never on my hit list, but now this particular car, it was such a pleasure to drive. You just wanted to keep going at it. Yeah, it covered the full spectrum from uh, just pussycat uh, tooling around town to uh, full-on monster in the track, for sure. Yeah, very impressive. You know, you guys have been exposed. You need to, to do lots of talking, Patrick. So, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. You know, jump in here because uh, neither Zach nor Patrick has spent obviously as much time in 911s as Brian and I have. But when you have a chance to drive it, what do you, are you impressed? Are you like so what? What? what, what no, do you I away? I am incredibly impressed. Um, I've driven, I guess, probably only a few. Um, I still tell people that the 911 Turbo S is the best car I've ever driven mm-hmm. in my, I guess, three years here at Motor Week. But this one, I mean, you know, you can do no wrong when you're in a 911. I think they just keep getting, I don't know how, but better and better. And It I is mean, pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you pay for it. And I'm sure there's things that we can nitpick all day long, you know, mm, controller, controller, <laughs> but not too many. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny 
the price tag for such a wonderful machine. Yeah. Well, you know, that's another point. Uh, all right, this car was pricey. It was what, one, 115, one, 115 or yeah. so? Uh, but you have to compare it to cars that cost two and three times that amount, as far as performance, anyway, maybe not exclusivity. Uh, I don't know if you need to go that high, but yeah, that's. I wouldn't in any stretch of the imagination consider it a bargain, but you're not getting ripped off either. Yeah. All right, let's move on to a car that basically we haven't heard a lot about, uh, largely because the company itself has been so much in the news, and that's the uh, 2016 Volvo XC90, their big three-row crossover. Uh, 2002 was the last was when the uh, the original one uh, came upon the way. A lot different market now than it used to be. Brian, what's your impression of the XC90? Yeah, I, I didn't even realize they were still making it, and that it was the, still the first generation. Hadn't really had any major changes since '03 uh, model year. So obviously a huge departure. Doesn't really look all that different. Much looks, more modern. Looks more upright. Yeah. Looks more even more like a station wagon than i think it did before yeah and it sits a little taller uh, the best way i can compare it is in similar fashion that uh tata is dumping all kinds of r&d money into jag and has pretty much turned them around in a short period of time i think uh the chinese mm-hmm. uh people that own volvo are doing a very similar thing i mean the interior on this thing is just knockout incredible and ride quality was great um, it's got a you know tablet style interface for everything like everyone else has, but this one was super. It was just like a tablet. I mean, super intuitive. Uh, you know how like four year olds can sit down and instantly figure them out. Uh, very similar. I thought it worked great. It's also got in one model the T8, one of the single most complicated engines that I think of in any car today, if not the most complicated. Give us kind of a rundown. Well, they announced a while back. I don't know yep. when it was. that About from, a year or two ago. Yeah, going forward, all Volvos would be all four-cylinder power, and they would just find ways to add power to the four-cylinder. This one's got the turbo and supercharged two-liter. And then in the TA model, it's got a rear-mounted 65-kilowatt electric motor as well. So you got uh, all-wheel drive through that. and uh, So the, the electric motor is the all-wheel drive. Correct. You can still get, if you get the T6, which is just the turbo and supercharged 2-liter, uh, you can get a traditional uh, four-wheel drive system Hall-Dex in that. system yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Give, us, give me an idea of when is it supercharged power, when is it turbo power? There's got to be, what, what are the parameters? There? Oh, that's more voodoo than I can possibly <laughs> explain. I uh, just know you hit the accelerator and it feels like a V8. And I don't know what's what's charging when, to be honest with you. It, it's a very complicated system. And outside of hearing the using it on uh, large trucks, I can't recall any other car that's ever gone this route. But horsepower figures were what with the with the with the plug-in hybrid system it was 400 horsepower is three something without it right yeah um low threes without it it's still pretty impressive for a two liter yeah it really does i mean it doesn't sound anywhere near like a v8 but it really does feel like a v8 i was gonna say what kind of what kind of sounds are coming from a turbo and a supercharger it's it's super quiet really they got yeah i don't i don't think they added any like almost everybody's putting like fake engine sounds through the radio now i'm not sure that they did that because it's uh, it's a super quiet. Wouldn't engine. be their style, would it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, everybody's doing it now. 
It's just the, a matter of time. The new when I mentioned the upright look, the new um, the XC90 and also uh, the new Q7 from Audi, they seem to be going a little bit backwards in style, looking more upright and more like a traditional station wagon than ever. Uh, so I don't know if we're coming full circle or it's just the new pedestrian crash standards in Europe mm-hmm. that are requiring more upright front ends. But I thought it looked incredibly boxy, just like old Volvos used to. Yeah, and the plug-in hybrid, I should say, you get a 17. They haven't officially uh, done the numbers yet, but about a 17-mile pure electric range. Yeah. And it's the only three-row plug-in hybrid available currently. Yeah. Interesting vehicle, and they've got a lot riding on it. All right, let's go on to our third car, which is a car that, um, in one guise or another, has been around for a long time. Uh, the original, if you believe, Nissan uh, four-door sports car, 2016 Nissan Maxima. Patrick, uh, you went to the preview. I did, I did. Um, what do you think? Um, four-door sports car. I don't know about that. Um, but uh, 300 horsepower, 3.5 liter V6. And a CVT. Yeah, and a CVT. The, yeah, the Xtronic CVT, which they, which was funny because they never said CVT during their presentation. I bet they did. They always just said Xtronic. <laughs> but yes, and so they programmed steps into it so that when it's shifting, when you're when you get really getting on the gas, it actually drops like an automatic, mm-hmm. um, which was weird. I don't know what sort of uh, software, what sort of you know behind the scenes magic is going on there, um, but you know, fooled me a little bit. If, if you know, the guy from Nissan sitting next to me hadn't had told me about it. Um, yeah, not quite a sports car. I actually thought it was very luxurious, very, well, mm. premium. Um, really soft materials inside. Um, steering wheel, really comfortable, kind of meaty but soft and uh, squishy. Um, it looked good, totally redesigned interior. The technology was, controls are basic but laid out nice. It looks like a, it looks like an upscale uh, four-door sedan. Um in in light of what someone from your generation, uh, you're in the your thirty or your late twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and you're an Audi owner, so mm-hmm. you could say that you own something uh, fairly comparable, right? Do you think though this definition of a sports sedan is really what people want today versus someone my age who remembers a lot hardcore, you know, had to be a rear drive car, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't know. When I think of a sport or a sports sedan or luxury sports sedan, I'm thinking 3 Series or Audi A4. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like that at all. Too big? It's, it's, it's bigger. It's a big um, car. It's also front-wheel drive, um, CVT. Um, yeah, but all of those... Or Audi traits as well. Well, can I mean, be an Audi trait anyway. True, I think more all-wheel drive. Yeah, okay. um, but you know, I don't think of this at all as a as any sort of sport. I mean, yes, you can have fun, you can push it, but um, I think of it as luxury, comfort. So too soft, maybe softer than. Yeah, definitely yeah. soft, um, but but it feels solid like a luxury sedan. Um, they are they're selling it kind of weird. They're doing five trim levels and zero options. So you just kind of pick what trim level you want based on the features you want, and there's no adding or That's, that's kind of like old style. Stuff. Yeah, Japanese. we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, yeah, dealers love their options. Yeah. yeah, and so like I said, I think in my first look at my quick spin or something, when you, the stuff you really want, you're pushing $40,000 or more at that point, and that's kind of hard to swallow for a, a Nissan Maxima. Well, it's, it seems similar. I haven't driven it, but just from the pictures, it seems similar to the Murano in that it's still – 
it's still a basic i don't know if basic's the right word but it's not a luxury vehicle but it's very luxurious it's nipping at the heels exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. it's right yeah. below the threshold of luxury yeah um and we can talk about the outside styling because that was one of the bigger biggest changes for this generation um I thought I don't know. It felt kind of it felt kind of flat in person. The pictures looks very edgy in person. Yeah, in pictures and in video. I guess you, you can set up the camera how you want, but you see it in person and it's striking, but it's not radical. When they unveiled it and I was there, I remember them pulling the covers off. And I think they had a black one, and I thought in black it sort of disappeared. It it looks better. In I could colors. see that. I could see yeah because yeah, the floating peel, the fl- uh, floating pillars in the right. rear are blacked out. So I guess with all black body paint, hmm. it would kind of just. It's a premium car for them, and considering how to, what a success their Altima is, I guess they need something to, to move people up into and keep them in the brand. Uh, but it's too bad in a way that they had uh, kind of a lock on um, Japanese larger sports sedans for a long time, and uh, they've kind of gotten away from it. But still, I, I guess it's a car that they know their market for. All right, before we move on to our lightning round, I wanted to pause for a second to talk primarily to those listening to our Motor Week podcast from the uh, Chesapeake Bay Area, Northern Virginia, Maryland, Southern Pennsylvania, maybe Delaware. And it's about a program we here have here at Maryland Public Television and Motor Week about donating your car for MPT. So if you've got a car that you um, are no longer interested in, maybe you're looking for a worthy cause to donate it. Uh, donating your car to support MPT is it's really pretty easy, easy uh, a lot uh, easier than fixing it up and selling it yourself. Do we get to test them before? Uh, no, I don't think we do. I think they <laughs> go straight <laughs> uh, straight into the uh, the office that takes care of this. We do, however, uh, accept uh, most vehicles, uh, cars, trucks, motorcycles, which is up Brian Robinson's alley, even RVs. Uh, we'll consider other types of vehicles. Well, whatever you do, there's two things I want you to, to think about. If you are looking to donate your vehicle to a worthy cause, helping support MPT and, of course, all of us at Motor Week, the number to call is 888-777-9633. That's 888-777-9633. Or what would be even easier is go to your computer uh, or your tablet. Our website is www.mpt.org. You'll get all the details there. And think about it. It's a, a good way to get rid of that clunker and do something good for public television. All right. That feels like public television right there. <laughs> that, that was. That was our, <laughs> that was our contribution. <laughs> that was our pledge break. Now it's back to business. Okay, our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate trending automotive topics. When time's up, they'll hear the bell. Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are both set to debut on a lot of new models in the coming year. GM, for one, says it's going to be available on all Chevy products for 2016. Okay, folks, do you like the idea of a supposed better, cleaner, less intrusive smartphone integration? Does it address problems of distraction or create more? What do we think? I'll set this one out. You guys go ahead. Why, Art? You're not a smartphone user. Yeah, I'm still flip-phoning. Oh, Sorry. man. I don't get how this is supposed to make distraction less. Okay, I mean, you'll obviously, no matter what car you're in, be able to use some voice controls, but we all know Siri is not perfect. Uh, is it because they think it will be so similar to your tablet or your smartphone? What do you think? It's my understanding that it's they're going to disable certain functions right. that might be, like you can't text on your 
while you're driving on your infotainment screen. But it's supposed to mimic a design that the majority of people who use smartphones are used to. So, so in that aspect, you don't have to learn anything new. Right. So you plug in your phone to the system, and your infotainment, your 8-inch screen or however right. large it is, basically turns into exactly what your cell phone Correct. desktop looks like. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be certain features. The, ha- the hands-free stuff works a lot better on cell phones, Siri and uh, uh, Google's voice search and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and so if they can integrate that in, I can definitely see it lowering distraction, at least hands you Plus, know. that'll get upgraded more easily right. than you can upgrade because a car system. a lot of car manufacturers have, like, proprietary systems that you try to use their voice-activated stuff, and it doesn't understand you right. 90% of the time. Siri and uh, I have an Android, so the, their Google system work a lot better at recognizing things like, you know, uh, hey, text Emily something, you know what I mean? The, the one thing I do like about it, uh, and maybe a couple of things, one is that you will have the availability of a lot more apps than you have on any of the proprietary systems, which seem to, to limit that extensively. Uh, the other thing is I use, uh, I have an iPhone, and I use the Maps program on that all the time. Yeah. To be able to use that as a navigation system, I instead of fighting my way through, uh, you know, the car-based navigation systems, Agreed. even the best ones, yeah. I think that will be a plus. And I guess anything that lessens your time away from looking at the road is probably a plus. But yeah, I mean, it I, also for a purely entertainment standpoint, uh, things like Spotify and Pandora, mm-hmm. which are, I mean, I use Spotify. I use Pandora all right, the time. Right, and so right. I would love to be able to integrate that into the system. Right. I'm not sure it'll do anything to alleviate distraction, but it seems to me they're just getting out of the business of designing their own systems and letting people who already use their s- smartphones be a way to have that same functionality in the car. I Is think that, that's what's happening. Yeah. I, you, none of you will, will probably remember, although Brian might... It was probably about, could have been as long as 15 years ago, Chevrolet, it leaked out of GM that they were going to put a a port on the top of their new whatever small compact they were making at the time where you would plug in your cell phone up there. It was the first of the smartphones and do this as a way to get around constantly updating, and then it never happened. So this is essentially... I've often thought about, why don't they do that? Have like a dock? It was going to happen, and I don't know whether they just figured out they couldn't keep up with all the changing and docking systems, but it didn't. Yeah, that stuff changes a lot. Then we went to Bluetooth, but that didn't give you everything, but here we are. I'm curious, how does this... How does it connect? Is it uh, the bell is Bluetooth? spoken? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I never got it, my answer. Is it Bluetooth? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a. I think it's a physical plug. It's a physical plug for for this system. Otherwise, Bluetooth works for some of the features now. I think it does, but I. Th- I think you're right. Well, most I, people would want to plug in anyway, so they could yeah, charge, right? Charge yeah. So uh, yeah. So you plug in. From what I was reading, because I was confused on it. Let's say I buy a, an Impala. You plug in, um, and it has it can. Sense or not sense? It can mm-hmm. detect both, so you right. can ha- you can go from using an iPhone to using an Android device, and it'll switch from Apple CarPlay to Android Auto wow. interface. Wow. Okay, let's move on now to our viewer question. I think that was a good discussion. Who knows? I guess a minutes. year from now we're going to have to have been <laughs> exposed not to sure a lot that's of this. The answer. Hmm. We'll see. I don't know, dude. That's our best guess at the moment. Joe writes us, uh, and it's a question about fuel additives. He's got a 2012 Dodge Charger SRT8, nice car, uh, about 19,000 miles, wondering if he should add a fuel injector cleaner. 
I hear they do cause damage to some motors. What do we think? Do it. My experience has been limited, but I think they actually, at, at, at proper intervals, they can do some help. Brian? I don't know if it'll help. I, I certainly don't think it'll hurt it. Yeah. I mean, there are professional services like um, – uh, in our area, BG Products, they have uh, injector cleaning systems. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of one of those things that you probably can use it and see whether it does any good. I haven't really heard it hurting any yeah, cars. I, I wouldn't see it doing any damage. Yeah. it's not Unless you were to really mess up something in the electronic uh – the all the electronics up front but yeah but most of the fuel injector systems i mean basically you've got a fuel injector which is you know can get contaminated and and once you mess up the spray of fuel it can cause engine runnability problems so you're basically trying to make sure that stays clean but there's such a volume of fuel that goes through there any injector cleaner is not going to be there very long yeah for sure so I hope that helps, Joe. We don't personally, um, from our humble experience, see that there's a big issue with it. Uh, however, if you're concerned about it, there are professional systems that good mechanics have. And I think it's one of those questions that you've obviously got someone that takes care of your car. Uh, ask them about it, and uh, maybe you can get an honest answer and not just an upsell, which is always the problem. All right, moving on to our rant and raves. Does anyone have anything on their minds, uh, current stories that are uh, circulating uh, in the auto world? Up, up, you got one. You got one. I just want to continue the the Apple CarPlay Android Auto. What do you – I don't know whether to rant or rave. What do you think about – uh, or Google and Apple getting into the car business? I know a lot of people are very skeptical of that and scared of it. Well, just because it's so difficult, but – on the other hand, think about it this way. Silicon Valley looks like they're taking over the dashboard and the driving experience anyway. With yeah, Google's like developing their self-driving car. Apple yeah. really wants to get into you, developing cars. It seems to me that if they're smart, and they are smart, that they'll end up developing systems they can sell to somebody else rather than sit there and try and manufacture the whole car. Or just buy General Motors. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> they've certainly got enough cash for that. Um, you know, hey, Mr. Marchione wants to sell Chrysler, wants to merge it with somebody. Why don't they merge it with Google? Uh, they've got enough money to take him through good times and bad. I, I think the bigger question is, is the synergy for new car development and technology shifting from traditional places like Detroit and Tokyo and Frankfurt to uh, Silicon Valley? And it seems to me it probably is, too. It's all about the software these days anyway. Yeah. From what I've been told, Google Maps actually use people's cell phones to determine where traffic is backed up. That's why they're always so accurate hmm. with their uh, you know, traffic readings. So You mean they're actually probably looking to see if the phone is moving or not? Mm-hmm. No kidding. So they're already involved. Yeah. <laughs> well, Audi has, has had Google Earth. Uh, For quite a while. Yeah, and so yeah. I guess they were just ahead of the game. Yeah, I, I think the, that's a very good question, and the question is whether or not we're happy with it. Well, you know something? If, if you buy into the fact that Google and the rest of these uh, uh, Silicon Valley companies are run mostly by very young people – uh, who are very trendy, the answer is, can their developments appeal to a large, hugely diverse audience? And can they do a better job of that than, say, traditional automakers? Um, also, to make a car last a long time takes a lot of development. We all know electronics basically are made to be obsolete within a year or two. 
You know, is that going to be a clash of cultures? And how is that going to go down if you've spent $40,000 for a car and in two or three years a new model comes out that completely makes yours obsolete? I mean, that's back to the way it was back in the 50s and, and before. So uh, I don't know. I do think they've got the edge of technology. If it has an Apple logo on it, people will line up around the corner to buy a new one every year. Or Google, for that matter. Interesting. Good rant and good raid. And that was a a good way to end our Motor Week podcast number 119. I want to thank everybody that has participated, including our writer-producer, Brian Robinson, our over-the-edge reporter, Zach Maskell, and, of course, our writer with the rant, Patrick Lucas. I'd also like to thank those behind the scenes that had a lot to do with making this show possible today. Our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes us sound better than we have any, any right to. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And, of course... Mr. Lucas, again, is our podcast producer, and he's the guy with the bell. Home run. Wow. Thanks Thanks very much for listening to our podcast. Be sure to catch Motor Week on your local public television station and also on the Velocity Cable Network. Till next time, I'm John Davis from all of us at Motor Week. Thanks for listening and watching Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.